It's a joy that we could be together at the close of the year 2020. Just a couple of days we'll be in the new year. So thank you for joining us tonight. We are here tonight uh, to meet together in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to find the help and the blessing, the encouragement, and the refreshing that we need to carry on in the circumstances in which we find ourselves these days. The goodness of the Lord does not cease. It is always there. His faithfulness is consistent and continuous, and we are a people of encouragement and confidence. Trust that this will be a time of blessing as we meet together tonight. I'm going to read from my New American Standard Bible the scripture text that is going to, I think, be the basis for our Bible study tonight from Psalm 116. Psalm 116. Uh, my subheading in my Bible says, Thanksgiving for Deliverance from Death. An amazing and marvelous psalm. Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my supplications. Because he has inclined his ear to me. Therefore I shall call upon him as long as I live. The cords of death encompassed me, and the terrors of Sheol came upon me. I found distress and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech you, save my life. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is compassionate. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low, and he saved me. Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have rescued my soul from death, my ears from tears, my feet from stumbling. I shall walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed when I said I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, all men are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I shall lift up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I shall pay my vows to the Lord. Oh, may it be in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his godly ones. O oh Lord, surely I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your handmaid. You have loosed my bonds. To you I shall offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving and call upon the name of the Lord. I shall pay my vows to the Lord, oh, may it be in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of you, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. And in the Hebrew, praise the Lord is hallelujah. Well, if you will, turn in your, in your Bible to Psalm 100, uh, 116. That's the psalm that Pastor read. As uh, I was anticipating this trip and... Uh, and uh, not knowing how much time exactly I would have to prepare to study uh, for tonight, I thought it might be good to take a break from the Thriving Church study, and we'll pick that up again next week, talking about the grace of God and talk about His provision, and we'll continue to do that as we talk about how God helps the church to grow. But uh, I thought tonight, as we were anticipating the new year and thinking about the past year that we've been through, it's been quite an interesting year. You know that as well as I do uh, it sure didn't go the way we anticipated when we made our plans for 2020. Uh, and the, But the Lord had something different for us. I, I've never seen a year like this one. I've never in all my years. And I uh, don't know what uh, 2021 is going to hold for us. 
but uh, I thought it would be good for us to look at this psalm. It, it, it just hit, uh, hit so many points that I thought would be helpful to us as, uh, we, as we consider these things. I, I just gave you kind of a brief outline of the uh, notes that I'll be going through tonight. But I left you some spaces if you want to write down some things that the Lord speaks to you about. And then maybe sometime between now and the end of the year, uh, you can review those things. And it'll, maybe it will help you as you make plans for what you're going to do for the Lord in the new year. But um, this has been an interesting year. And I think a lot of us are looking forward to, being, forward to it being over. Someone said an optimist, says, or an optimist stays up until midnight to see the new year in. And a pessimist stays up to make sure that the old year goes out. And I think that's where most of us are right now. We'd rather to see this year go away. And, uh, but yet, at the same time, I don't anticipate great changes for the next few months. It's going to continue a lot like it has been. And we'll see what happens with the new virus and our new, uh, uh, the new vaccines. And we'll see what happens with the new political situation and all of that. But God's got this all under control. It's been an unusual year. Uh, the coronavirus... Uh, crisis was supposed to be a couple of weeks to flatten the curve and it's turned into several months that have kind of flattened us out altogether. But uh, we're doing them fine and the Lord got, got us through it. We, we found ourselves in a situation that really has changed our world in remarkable ways. Uh, I've been reading this morning about some missionaries and some of the things that they're going through. You think we have it tough here in the United States and uh, we, yes, we do. We've got some businesses that are having struggles, and we've had some people get sick. And some of us, unfortunately, have lost some loved ones over the course of the last year. Uh, but there are other places in the in the world where you can't even leave your house without uh, some policeman telling you to go back in. And I know in one country in particular, there's only one person in the house is allowed to leave the house once a week, and that's the wife or the woman of the house to go to the grocery store, and then she has to report in and report out and go back home. And it's been that way for months for this country. And uh, so we have it fairly good. We can go in and go out, and we wear our masks, and we can accomplish what we want to and what we need to. Uh, but uh, we, we know that uh, there's been a lot of suffering that's gone on. And yet God is in control, and we need to find ways to praise Him. Uh, we could be deeply depressed and lose hope. But this is God's will for us, uh, that we go through this. Uh, we have been commanded in Scripture to fear not. We've been commanded in Scripture to rejoice in the Lord always. We've been commanded in Scripture to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not to our own understanding. We've been commanded to acknowledge the Lord in all our ways and allow Him to direct our paths. And He has brought us through thus far. The Lord is still good He's our ever-present help in time of trouble. All these promises in Scripture are still there. And in my own Bible reading, I came across this Psalm 116, and it was an encouragement to me, and it spoke to my own heart. And so I just want to share some things uh, that this divinely appointed, divinely inspired psalmist recorded for you and me uh, in days like this. Pastor read the psalm, so I won't read it in entirety again, but uh, we know that this is a hymn of personal thanksgiving for God's care. David, or the writer, says, I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my supplications. Uh, the, the Lord cares. Uh, this is one person's thanks for his very personal deliverance 
and, and he's properly con uh, consummated in public worship. He wants to worship the Lord with all of his heart, not only in, his pri in private, but he wants to get together with God's people again and to worship as he can. Uh, this is an intensely personal thank you uh, to God uh, for saving him from death and destruction. And while this appears to deal with just physical death, it could be speaking of spiritual, uh, uh, spiritual salvation and, and salvation from, uh, from, from hell. There's a lot of things that are in this psalm. It's a thanksgiving song with a fresh recollection of some deadly peril that had just been gotten better of. You know, in some churches, they read this psalm whenever a woman has delivered a child because the Lord has brought her through the valley of the shadow of death and delivered her and given her continued strength and then this new life to care for. So there's a lot in this psalm, and it deals with a lot of praise. You're going to see this. Praise God. Uh, there's three main points. Praise God. He hears my prayers, verses 1 through 4. Praise God. He answers my prayers, verses 5 through 11. And then praise God, he is worthy of my worship in verses 12 down to the end of the chapter. So let's start off with that first, first uh, section of this, of this psalm, these 19 verses. Praise God, he hears my prayers. I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my supplication, because he has inclined his ear to me. That means God leans down to hear what we are saying when we pray. Therefore I shall call upon him as long as I live. The cords of death encompassed me, and the terrors of Sheol, which is a reference to uh, the Hebrew way of looking at death and hell. Uh, the terrors of hell came upon me. I found distress and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech you, save my life. And uh, the psalmist knew that God had listened to that prayer. He had to have, or he wouldn't have been able to write it down. The Lord had spared him. The psalmist has experienced this love of, from God uh, and love for God in a time of absolute need. Uh, according to Kylan Delitz, it says this. Someone says that this ref may refer to uh, Jonah and the time that he went into the belly of the, the, the great fish. And if you read from Jonah chapter 2 and verse 5, I can see some parallels there. It says, water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. Imagine what that was like in the belly of that fish. Uh, he felt like he was going to die. And if you read that psalm, uh, read that chapter in Jonah chapter 2, you see that that's the chapter where God got a hold of Jonah, at least for a while. He never did completely. Jonah just refused to completely uh, embrace the will of God. But for a while there, he kind of said, All right, Lord, I will serve you. You've got my attention now. Now then, Psalm 18, verses 4 through 6 is another cross-reference that fits along with this section. It says, uh, The cords of death encompassed me, and the torrents of ungodliness terrified me. The cords of Sheol surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried to my God for help. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry for help before him came into his ears. Again, another acknowledgement of the fact that in the middle of our struggles, in the middle of our difficulties, we can praise God because he hears our prayers. He inclines himself. He listens. He leans forward to catch what we are saying to him when we pray. 
Psalm 55, verses 16 through 19 says, As for me, I shall call upon God, and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I will complain and murmur, and he will hear my voice. God, the Lord's heard all of our complaints this year. The Lord's heard all of our murmuring this year. I hope we turn that into prayers and say, Lord, please deliver us. But he will redeem my soul in peace from the battle which is against me, for they are many who strive with me. God will hear and answer them, even the one who sits enthroned from old. God's been sitting on that throne from eternity past, and he will through eternity future, and yet he takes the time to listen to you and me when we go through our struggles. That's a God that's worthy of our praise. That's a God that's worthy of our love. He listens to us. He does not ignore us. Psalm 86 verse 7 says, In the day of trouble I will call upon you, for you will answer me. And then Psalm 17 verses 6 and 7 says, I have called upon you, for you will answer me, O God. Incline your ear to me, hear my speech. Wondrously show your loving kindness, O Savior of those who take refuge at your right hand, from those who rise up against them. Now sometimes we think of God as being so high and so lofty and so mighty that we really can't approach them. I know some people who sometimes are a little intimidated by a pastor and won't talk to the pastor. I know some people who are intimidated by their boss and don't want to talk to their boss. And we think of God and we think, well, God is really high and we really would be intimidated to talk to him. But God wants us to come to him with our requests. God wants us to come with him, to him with our concerns. And we've had them this year. Some of you have had concerns about your health. Some of you have had concerns about your businesses. Some of you are concerned about someone who's really struggling with this virus. I know of a man right now that I don't know how he's going to come out. And I've been praying for him. Right now we know of another man in our church who's in the hospital. He's got some needs. But God is listening and he wants to hear from us. Uh, the psalmist can, uh, here in these, in these verses commits to depending on God why? For the, for the rest of his life. Because, why? Because God has helped him. He's committing to depend on God for the rest of his life. Because he inclined his ear to me, verse 2, therefore I shall call on him as long as I live. Never stop going to the Lord with your needs. He's always available. He's always eager to hear. And then you will find out that when your prayers are answered, you will want to respond by living a life that glorifies Him, a life of love and gratitude. It's the only proper thing to do for a God like this. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5 says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your might. Deuteronomy chapter 11 verse 1 says, You shall therefore love the Lord your God and always keep His charge, His statutes, his ordinances, and his commandments. Why? Because he has taken the time to care for you and to care for me in our times of deepest struggle. And he will always be there to listen. So that first section, verses 1 through 4, praise God, he hears my prayers. We're never ignored. Sometimes I think we feel like we're ignored by people, maybe by some politician, maybe by someone that we think should offer us more affection or more attention. But God is always there, and he's always eager to hear. Never hold back when it comes to telling God what your needs are. Secondly, let's go to the second section, verses 5 down through verse 11. 
praise God. Not only does he hear my prayers, he answers my prayers. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is compassionate. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low and he saved me. Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have rescued my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I shall walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed when I said I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, all men are liars. You know, God will always be faithful to us, and God will always answer our prayers, and he's never going to lie to us. Uh, we have all kinds of suspicions that maybe we're not being told the truth when we look at the news media or when we hear a politician talk. Uh, but we always know that God's going to tell us the truth. God will always care for us. Every time God delivers us, that is proof that he is hearing us and that he cares for us and that he loves us. And his loving kindness never ends for us. When through no fault of our own we find ourselves in great danger, we can call on the Lord for help because he hears and he wants to answer. Uh, the experiences we have had of God's goodness to us in answer to prayer, and we've had them, are great encouragements for us to continue praying. You know, we've been through a lot this year, and we've prayed, and if you're still here, that tells you God has answered your prayers. God has kept you safe from the virus. God has kept you safe, you personally safe, or you wouldn't be listening to this message today. So God has answered your prayers, and he's preserved many of your loved ones. Now, we'll get into some other things as we go through this here now. He delivers the simple from destruction, it says in verses 5 and 6. Uh, the Lord preserves the simple. The simple refers to a person uh, who is uh, young or naive, and they're simple enough to be able to really trust God. The psalmist implies that Yahweh, or God, saves those who cannot save themselves. It's like a little child. They need their parents to care for them. They need mom to fix the food. They need dad to bring home the, the funds to provide for the family. Simple-hearted doesn't refer to ignorant or superstitious people. It, just can, it, it refers to people who are trusting and willing to lay their lives into the hands of our good and gracious God. It's a, it's a childlike faith. The Lord rewar rewards childlike faith. In Matthew chapter 18, verses 2 through 4, Jesus said, He called the children to himself and set a child before them, and he said, Truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of God. Whoever then humbles himself as this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Do you have that kind of childlike faith that, that if God says he'll take care of you, that you will simply say, yes, Lord, I trust you? We did a series early on in the middle of this uh, coronavirus thing about trusting God. And that is childlike faith. We know God. We know who he is. We know the character of our God. We know the promises that he has made to us. And we trust those promises. In Mark chapter 10, verse 15, and Luke chapter 18 and verse 17, there's a promise repeated Jesus said this, the same, almost exact same wording. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter in at all. You know, I've talked to some people about salvation and told them that they needed to just simply put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. That they needed to confess their sins and ask him to save them from their sins, to repent of their sins and trust him completely. 
and they'd say, it's too simple. I just can't do it. Well, it's simple to you and me, but it wasn't simple to God. Jesus Christ went to a cross to pay for our sins. He paid an awful price so that you and I could be saved simply by trusting in him. It's something that he willingly does for us. And if you haven't trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need that simple childlike faith in order to be able to get into the kingdom of heaven. I trust that you have it. Mark chapter um, 10 and verse 15 and Luke chapter 18 verse 17. Very clearly, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter in at all. It's important that you trust God that way. Praise God, he answers our prayer. He delivers us from uh, the simple from destruction. He gives rest to the weary. Verse 7 says, return to your rest, O my soul. There's a relief here that comes when you say, I'm simply going to trust the Lord. And uh, I know I've heard some of you over time of testimony during our Zoom fellowships and in our in-person meetings once in a while mentioning how you have found that you can trust the Lord. You're spending more time in the Word. You're spending more time in prayer. And there's been a comfort that's come to your soul because you've been in the Word, because you've been in times of prayer with the Lord. Uh, The Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown commentary says this, the relief which the psalmist asked for is the result not of his merit, but of God's known pity and tenderness, which is acknowledged in assuring himself of rest and peace. All calamities are represented by death, tears, and falling of the feet, all these difficulties that we go through. But God in his grace and mercy willingly and eagerly gives us what we need when we put our trust in him. Psalm 56 verse 13 says, For you have delivered my soul from death, indeed my feet from stumbling. Why? So that I may walk before God in the land, in the light of the living. Someone said this, We are to abandon anxiety and resume the perfect tranquility that springs from trusting in God. Let me say that again. If you're struggling and you're really uptight and you're really nervous and you're really concerned and worried about all these things that are happening in our world, abandon anxiety and resume the perfect tranquility that springs from trust in God. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Let God be God in your life and you will find that you find rest for your soul. Return to your rest, O my soul. Why? For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you, verse 7 says. God deals bountifully with those who trust in him. He's not miserly in his benefits. God wants to give us. There's a verse that says he daily loadeth us with benefits. And we need to sometimes be looking for them. Go to his word. Go to him in prayer. Seek him. And he will give you what you need to get through whatever your struggle is. Well, we need to praise God. He answers our prayer. He delivers the simple from destruction. He gives rest to the weary. Thirdly, he rescues us from all danger. Verse 8 says, For you have rescued my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. Those are all kinds of different degrees of struggles that we go through. But each one seems huge to us at the time. When a little child cries, it's as though the whole world is coming to an end. When somebody stumbles and falls, you think the world's going to come to an end. But God delivers us from these struggles, and he delivers us from them all. The Believer's Bible Commentary says we need not to fear 
to repeat ourselves in worship, uh, recognizing God's rescue for us. We need not to fear to repeat ourselves in worship. God never tires to hear his children's praise, and the subject of, is worthy of endless repetition. So if God has brought you through March, April, May, June, July, whatever month we've been through now, and the difficulties you've been through, you still have food to eat, you have clothing to wear, you have a roof over your head, you have a measure of health, you have some people around you that still love you, you have much to be thankful for. God has delivered us, and God has taken care of us. Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. God gives us so much, and each day is a wonderful blessing of the bounty of God. We can praise God for rest. We can praise God for rescue. We can praise God because he is faithful when everyone else is deceitful. Verses 10 and 11 are a little bit difficult to understand in this chapter. Let me read them to you. I believed when I said I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, all men are liars. You know, sometimes we, we, we say some things that maybe in our hearts we know are not true. And sometimes uh, we, we react to a situation uh, in one way, but in our hearts we know that's just not so. And, uh, and we've had a lot of reasons to question things and wonder what's going on. And, and, and I don't know about you, but I have a hard time watching the news because I don't know what's right and I don't know what's wrong. And it seems like the goalposts keep changing on how we're going to get out of this thing. Uh, the, 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 everybody is still trying to figure out this whole COVID thing. But I know that God has this thing under control. And I know that God has an end to this thing. Matthew Henry said, All men are fickle and inconsistent and subject to change, and therefore let us cease from man and cleave to God. Um, John MacArthur said, Faith in God and his ability to deliver preceded the psalmist's prayer for deliverance. This verse is quoted by the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and verse 13, uh, but it rehearses the principle of walking by faith and not by sight. He says in verse 10, I believed when I said, I'm greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, my emotions were saying one thing, but in my, and, and all men are liars, but I know better than this. I still trust God. I believe. Kylan Dulwich says that the psalmist is thoroughly weaned from putting trust in men, forsaken by all the men from whom he expected succor and health, help, he experienced the truth and faithfulness of God. So when you look at the news, set that aside and say, Okay, Lord, you got this. I don't know what they're doing, but I know what you're doing. And I'm going to follow you and trust you. Verses 10 and 11 contrast God's faithfulness with man's fickleness or deceitfulness. Confidence in God as opposed to trust in men who are unreliable. Psalm 31, verse 22 says, As for me, I said in my alarm, I'm cut off from before your eyes. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplications when I cried 
to you. So we can trust God when everybody else is untrustworthy. Keep your eyes where they need to be, and you'll find yourself encouraged. One other commentary said his faith did not falter even in the moment of his deepest agony or when men proved how untrustworthy they were. What he said was not born out of distrust but out of deep conviction. I will, verse 10, I believed when I said these things that seemed so negative. Well, not only can we thank God because he answers our prayers, it says in verse 15 that he preserves me even when facing death. I was just trying to figure out how to fit that verse into the outline, and it didn't seem to fit where it was before, so I just bring it up into this section about trusting God when and, and knowing that God is going to answer our prayers. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his godly ones, it says. I know some of you may have lost a loved one this year, and you say, well, I prayed and God didn't save them. I prayed and God still took them to heaven. I prayed and God took them away from me. Well, you've got to understand that God doesn't do any of this lightly. He, it says precious in the sight of the Lord. This is something of great importance. The death of a saint is considered to be a weighty event in the eyes of God. It's, it's not random or without value. There's, there's a purpose in it. We may not know the purpose in it at all. I've, I've lost my father when I was 10 years old, and I didn't really understand the purpose of it. I still am trying to understand it, but I know God has purpose in it. And there are lessons that I've learned through this. And there are people whose lives have been changed because of the testimony of us who have gone on, even in the spite of difficulties. There's a reason that all this happens. God has a perfect plan. And we may not understand how God's using this for good, according to Romans 8.28, but by faith we can be assured that it is indeed good and perfect and acceptable in the mind of God. You know, God's servants are immortal until their job is done. We all have to get to heaven somehow, and God knows when that time is. We sometimes think it was an untimely death or an early death, but no, it wasn't untimely in the eyes of God. God's ways are so much higher than ours, and we can trust him and know that he is doing what is right. Even our life lived on a divine timetable, even our Lord lived on a divine timetable, and they couldn't crucify him until the chosen hour had come. Warren Wearsby said that. Even the Lord had to die. And John chapter 7, verse 30, they tried to seize him. And, but no man laid hands on him, because his hour had not yet come. In John chapter 8 and verse 20, these words he spoke in the treasury, and as he taught in the temple, and no one seized him, they wanted to, but, but because his hour had not yet come. And then John chapter 13, verse 1, Now the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now Jesus knew that his time had come. And so that God has a perfect time. John chapter 17, verses 1 through 5, Jesus spoke these things. And lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. 
I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. You know, I've been around the saints, some saints who have died and gone to heaven. I've been there as they breathe their last. And I've seen how God is glorified even in their death. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And so we need to trust God and know that his timing is perfect, that his way is right, and there is purpose in it. So we have to trust him. Carolyn Dellett says the death of his saints is no trifling matter with God. He does not lightly suffer it to come about. He does not suffer his own to be torn away from him by death. You know, Psalm 103 says he delivers us from all our diseases. And I've heard it said, but the last one. But you know, that's true. But there is a sense in where even death is a deliverance from the pain and suffering of this life and the struggles of this life to get to that wonderful new heaven where the Lord wants us. So there is a deliverance even in death to a certain extent. The death of the saint is not something the Lord considers as cheap. He does not let his people die for no reason. And he stays close to us even in death. Thank the Lord he answers our prayers. He gives us the strength to go on, those of us who are left behind. As we keep our eyes on him and as we walk with him, he provides comfort to us. Matthew chapter 10, verse 29 and verse 31, Jesus said, Are not two sparrows sold for a cent? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. Verse 31 says, So do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. If God knew the perfect time for a sparrow to go, to, go, to go into, out of this leave, this world, I don't think sparrows go to heaven. But if God knows about that, he surely knows about his people that he created. John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. Thank the Lord for the hope that we have because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And First Timothy, First Thessalonians chapter four, verse thirteen to eighteen reminds us that the dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet with the Lord in the air, and we'll meet them there again. We have much to be thankful for. God answers our prayers. It may not be the way we want it answered, but God does answer. And his way is perfect. So praise God, he hears our prayers. Praise God, he answers our prayers. And thirdly, we'll get to this last section, verses 12, down to the end of the chapter. Praise God, he is worthy of my worship. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? God has taken care of us. And in return, we ought to worship him and praise him with our lives. You know, John MacArthur said this, it's a good, good quote, God needs nothing and puts no price on his free mercy and grace. Uh, but this is the only acceptable gift to give the life that God has given to us back to him in a way that glorifies him. There can be no thought of repaying him. Uh, any repayment we might make would be an insult to his grace. Uh, but there is an inborn desire to respond to his grace in some appropriate way. Find a way to use the life that God has given you as an act of worship. Let my life be an alleluia is a song we've sung. We want our lives to be praised and glorifying, uh, praising and glorifying to God. 
We worship God in several ways. We worship God through public praise and worship. Verse 12 and 13, What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I shall lift up the cup of salvation. That's talking about a, uh, an act of worship that they did back at the temple where they raised up a cup of, of, uh, of sacrifice to the Lord, a cup of praise. It's, it's giving thanks before the entire congregation. It's similar to what we do when we observe the Lord's Supper where we drink the cup of, uh, of, that speaks of the blood, of the, the shed blood of the Lord Jesus that, pro that provided our salvation. In the Old Testament, the drink offering was part of a public thanks offering uh, that uh, God demanded from Moses and the Israelites. You can read about it in Numbers chapter 15, verses 1 through 5, if you want to look at that at another time. But they did this offering where they had sacrifices, and then they raised a glass to honor the Lord. Psalm 23, verses 4 and 5, talks about that cup of praise that we have to offer to the Lord publicly. It says that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You've anointed my head with oil, and my cup of praise overflows. That's the way God wants us to look at this in public worship. We would just want to overflow with joy and praise and thanks and gratefulness for all that God has done for us. Someone has said this, heartfelt gratitude is at the center of public worship. I hope that when you go to church and when we're able to get back together and have services, and maybe even while we're online worshiping together the best we can, that in your heart of hearts there's a heart of gratitude that God has provided all these things for us. He's given us his word. He's given us life. He's given us eternal life for those of us who trusted him as Savior. We worship God through public praise and worship. We worship God through public prayer. Verse 12 says, What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits for me? Verse 13, the end of the verse says, I shall call upon the name of the Lord. I hope that you have times of prayer. I love it when we get together and have prayer meetings. I love it when the men get together for their prayer meeting. I know the ladies have their times of prayer. But maybe in your family you can have times of public prayer, just your family together. I hope that you have some times like that. My wife and I don't do it every night, but a lot of nights before we go to bed. That's one of the last things we do is together we pray before we, before we go to bed. Thanking the Lord for getting us through another day and bringing petitions to Him that still are on our hearts. We worship the God, worship God through public prayer. We worship God by speaking to Him. We worship God by keeping promises made to Him. Verse 9 of Psalm 116 says, I shall walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Verse 14 says, I shall pay my vows to the Lord. Verse 17 says, To you I shall offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving and shall call upon the name of the Lord. I shall pay my vows to the Lord. You know, Jonah experienced that when he was in the belly of the whale or the fish. And uh, he had talked about the seaweed being wrapped around his head, and God finally got his attention. And in verse 9 of Jonah chapter 2, he said, I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. That which I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. And it was shortly after that that the, the great fish irked him up on the shore, and he got busy speaking to the people of Nineveh, doing what God had told him to do. When, God, when you make a promise to God, make sure that you keep that promise. Psalm 50 verse 14 says, Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. Call upon me in the day of trouble and I shall rescue you and you will honor me. 
by keeping the vows that you make to the Lord. Verse 9 says, I shall walk before the Lord in the land of the living. That means to continually live before the Lord and recognize that all of your actions withstand God's inspection. God sees the way you live, and he knows whether you're keeping your promises or not. Now, that's not a threat. God wants you to serve him because you love him, but he does expect that you will keep the promises that you've made to him. The land of the living, Matthew Henry says, is a land of mercy, which we ought to be thankful for. It's a land of opportunity. Every day is an opportunity for you to keep your promises and to show your love for the Lord who's been so good to you. I shall walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Verse 14, I shall pay my vows to the Lord. Verse 17, or verse 18, I shall pay my vows to the Lord. Now that's not a bribe. You can't pay anything to God. And uh, it's not something that you, you do to earn favor with God. You do it because you love the Lord. God's not necessarily impressed with our gifts, but he wants them anyway. I know maybe at Christmas time you might have gotten a, a present that you said, what, what is this? And uh, that's not what I asked for. And, but you appreciate the fact that somebody thought enough of you to give you something. And the thought behind it was special to you. That's the way it is when we give our lives to God. It may not be everything that we think it should be, but we give him what we can, and God is pleased with what we can. He's not pleased with what we can't do. We can only do so much, but we do what we can to honor the Lord. Job chapter 41 verse 11 says, Who has given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. God really doesn't need you, but he really wants you to serve him and to love you, to love him. He's called you to serve him. Romans chapter 11, verse 35 to verse 36. Who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? For from him and through him and to him are all things. The very life that you have is a gift from God. Now offer it back to him. Keep promises that you've made. And make promises to God that you know you should as the Holy Spirit convicts you. You worship God by keeping your promises to him. Fourthly, we worship God by recognizing the privilege of serving him. Now for a minute, I just want to speak to the young people in our church. I grew up, like many of you did, in a Christian home. Verse 16 says, Lord, surely I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your handmaid. You've loosed my bonds. He's given you wonderful privileges to be, grow up in a Christian home. You've been taught the scriptures since you were a child, many of you. You have been in Sunday school. You've been in church. You've been to Christian camps. You've heard challenges and sermons and, and sung songs that talk about the glory of God and what God wants from you. And, and, and you've made promises to the Lord. And your parents have a heartbeat for you to love and to, to serve the Lord. They've trained you for this. Train up a child in the ways you go when they'll old they'll not depart from it. Psalm 20, Proverbs 22, 16 says. That's been the goal and the heartbeat of your parents. And you've been privileged to do that. You haven't had to figure this out by yourself. They've taught you all along. And I know some of you feel like you've been gypped and you're missing out on what the world has to offer. I can tell you it's a lousy offer, whatever it is they have. The privilege of growing up in a Christian home and in a good church where you know the, about the Lord and the goodness of the Lord. Embrace that and enjoy the privilege that you have of growing up in that way. Matthew Henry says it's a great mercy to be a children of godly parents. 
Kylan Dellett says he rejoices as, and is proud of the fact that he may call himself the servant of God, like his parents were. The psalmist recognized that he'd been raised by a godly mother from childhood to serve the Lord. Do you recognize this, young people? Don't fight that. Surrender and allow God to use you. Someone said this, to be born in a God-fearing home is indeed a privilege. And to waste that opportunity by rejecting the opportunity, by, by living for yourself or to please the world carries a great weight of responsibility for which a child reared in such a home will be held accountable. Luke chapter 12, verses 47 and 48 says, That slave who knew his master's will and did not get ready or act in accord with his will will receive many lashes. But the one who didn't know and committed deeds worthy of flogging will receive but few. From everyone who's been given much, much will be required, and to whom they entrusted much of him, they will ask the more. James chapter 4, verse 17 says, therefore to, one who know, therefore to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. If you've been given God's word and you've been given godly training, you're going to be held accountable for what you do with that. It's sinful for you to reject that. We're going to close out here real quickly. We worship God by sharing God's blessings with others. Verse 14 ends with, I shall pay my vows to the Lord. Oh, may it be in the presence of his people. Uh, verse 18 again, Oh, may it be in the presence of his people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of you, O Jerusalem. Praise ye the Lord. We need to look for that opportunity when we can once again praise God. When we get together and have testimony services, I hope that you've got something to share, share about what God's done for you. I hope that you're willing to share that with others. Romans chapter 12, verse 15 says, We're to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. So when someone shares a praise, we all should praise with them. And when they share a burden, we should weep with them and pray for them. That's what we do when we gather together for church. Now, this psalm closes with one big word. Pastor mentioned it when he was reading it. It says, Praise the Lord. And the Hebrew word is, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I... Uh, think that's the kind of thing that ought to stir us sometimes to praise the Lord greatly um, I've seen men stand up on chairs and wave hankies and say hallelujah because they're so much wanting to praise the Lord I don't necessarily recommend that but you need to find a way to praise the Lord and thank him for what he's done for you now as we close this and it's time how how will you respond to God's goodness to you over the past year I know it's been hard I know some of you have suffered some loss but you are still here. God has left you here. You may complain because of illness, loss of job, loss of freedoms, loss of an election, loss of a loved one, etc. Or you can rejoice in the fact that God has preserved your life for a purpose this year. You're still here. If you're still here, God has a purpose. He has a plan. He has something he has given you. He wants you to use it as an opportunity to serve him and praise him. As you close out this year and as you get into 2021, how will you use the life that God has given you? If you're still here and you do not yet know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you really better be praising him. Because you're still have an you still have an opportunity. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the day to repent and turn from your sins to the Savior. Your life's a vapor. It vanishes in a little time. March seemed like a long time ago, but then again, it's, it went by pretty quick, didn't it? This whole COVID thing. And that's the way it is. 
before you know it, your life's going to come to an end, and you're going to have to face the Lord. Use the time that God has given you to praise Him, to accept Him as your Savior, and then to serve Him with all of your life. Father, we thank You for this time in Psalm 116 and for the things that we can learn from it. And we pray, God, that You will work especially in the hearts of those who don't know You as Savior. I pray, Lord, that You bring conviction to them and help them to know how much You love them and what You've provided for them. Help them to come to the Savior today. For those of us who are Christians, and sometimes we get into this complaining mode, help us to set that aside. Help us to rejoice in the life that you've given to us, the opportunities that you lay before us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the promises therein. And I pray, Lord, that you help us to use the opportunity that we have for your glory to worship you in a life of service and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.